Welcome to Mediation Station. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to support the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. You can also visit YouTube at both CHHA 1610am and also at Greg Fenton to see some videos of Mediation Station. Also listen to podcasts of each radio show at soundcloud.com and pcrtoronto.org. Our topic tonight is called Helping Children Resolve Their Conflicts, Providing a Model of Effective Communication. With visitor, Rita Zarni. Hi, Rita. How are you? Hi, Greg. Fine. Thank you. I love being here. You do? <laughs> the person beside you seems to love you, too. Hi, Johnny. I love that you're here. So much. I love you so much, Rita. This is a loving, totally. a love fest. Love fest indeed. Uh, well, we appreciate you being here, Rita. You've been here a few times before. Indeed, indeed. And so tonight we're going to talk about something else that's related to your area of practice mm-hmm. and something I assume is passionate for you, children mm-hmm. and family mm-hmm. and conflict. <laughs> Not that you're passionate about conflict. It's just, you know, that's part of your area of focus. You know, at some point we become comfortable with conflict and we work toward it. <laughs> yes, and we don't fear it. And we don't fear it. You know, no. when we do workshops or some kind of training, we throw out the word, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word conflict? What do people usually say? Usually negative stuff. True, true. Problem, fight, war, court police, and we try to promote that it's actually an opportunity for people to grow and develop from, learn from. You you know what? This is very inspiring what you're saying because if we approach conflict this way, this is it, then then we are growing um, with with each other, and that's something. Yes, hopefully. Yeah. So uh, what's new with you professionally since your last visit with us? Um, I'm focusing on doing some uh, workshops on uh, conflict resolution, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> you mean to create some conflict or to help people deal with it? You know, um, Dominique Barre, who is one of the... One of my uh, model who uh, did come up with the restorative circles says that in a house we we have a, a, a bedroom to sleep in, a kitchen to eat in, a bathroom to wash in, and we don't have a room where we deal with our conflict. And um, and that's really his approach to to say you know conflict is part of what we experience as human being and and if we um, um, if we approach it with with love let's say or empathy empathy is really um, what helps you go through through transforming the conflict into a better world tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, working in a compassionate manner, mm-hmm. being open-minded to mm-hmm. the possibility that mm-hmm. there's other points of view than j- just our own. We don't live in a in a silo. We don't l- walk in our own world, though sometimes we may want to. <laughs> and, and we can escape, uh, and yet we do need each other, indeed, yeah. If we're going to have relationships, which... Mm-hmm. 
I think for most of us, we want to have some relationships, mm-hmm. positive ones, healthy ones. And most of the time, you don't have a choice. You live in a society, you go to school, you go to work, um, you will live with people. And if you approach them with some tools to help you communicate better, have them hear you better and um, and hear them better, then your life will be more comfy as well. Yeah, and it's a matter of various types of relationships that we go through, mm-hmm. some more close, others more superficial. And so we need a way, a toolbox, as you said, to be able to adapt ourselves when we travel amongst those different relationships and the different settings. Mm-hmm. You have something? Uh, yeah, I, was I see the energy. About, I was yeah, you're feeling it, were you? Yeah, I think it's the chocolate, maybe. It might be, because <laughs> chocolate is like life. Um, I'm thinking about understanding each other and, and conflicts and opportunity to, to test your assumptions. Because everyone makes assumptions. And a lot of the time we act on assumptions that are completely incorrect or partially incorrect. And so when we have a conflict, I'm, I'm actually thinking of one that I had with with my daughter this past week, where it got very, very heated, and it was over some small thing, but it it was about what we felt was behind this small thing, this not caring how the other person felt or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we had to really drill down, and, and like we were swearing at each other and <laughs> we were, you know, but, it like it but was intense. we <laughs> let it, we, we gave it a little breather uh-huh. and uh-huh. then I came out into the living room, which is where we have most of our conflict uh-huh. and, uh, we talked it out and we, we always, we, we have a rule that we never separate to go to school or work or sleep or whatever without, um, be, without solving whatever anger is between us. So we always have a hug and a kiss and, a, and an I love you and some understanding between us. You know, Johnny, this is, this, is, uh, this is amazing because you are bringing in this, um, this way of living with a system on how to deal with conflict. I notice that in in a lot of working places and even in a lot of let's let's say it a lot of uh, rosters or communities of mediators we don't have a system to deal with conflict so you have that system that you know something happened you you let it you let yourself vent and then eventually you go in that living room and you unpack it mm-hmm. and you put all the cards on the tables you shuffle them you hear each other and then um, you have a purpose is that at the end of that conversation you want to know that you've you've had that aha moment where you got each other is that it or even if we don't even if we don't we agree to put the anger aside or we agree to not carry that emotion towards each other um even if it takes some more time to really kind of work through it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we've talked about it enough to understand that we don't have that that it's a misunderstanding or that it's or that we have a disagreement about something, and we can have the disagreement about something 
and continue to ha- disagree about it, but not carry the negative emotions towards each other. Okay, so you you know you have this conflict, whatever you were doing in terms of expressing your feelings about it, and then you say you got it resolved, and yeah. you, you use the word we. I would say to you that somebody had to take the first step to get from I to we. Not both of you simultaneously when you entered the room, all of a sudden, profoundly, you both said, let's kumbaya together. No, that's me. Somebody that's had to say something. Yeah. Somebody had to take an initiative, a step, yeah. to shift from position to, quote, interests. Yeah. And then you work through the conversation, communicating, and then ideally you expressed the deeper perspectives and you wanted to hear the other side, etc. And then you work together and you got to the we. Well, I initiate it. Yes. But the good thing about because she's grown up with me, right? So this is something, this is a rule we've had. And I think it's because I worked in emergency departments and you never knew when you separated from someone uh, what could happen. Uh, that was always in my mind, yeah. right? So uh, we it didn't matter if we... we 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 have a very we ha- have very conflictual persona- personalities from each other. Mm-hmm. We we butt heads a lot. Mm-hmm. So we would even if she was late for school or I was late for work or whatever. If we were upset or fighting with each other, didn't matter. We do not separate until that feeling is calmed down and All we've right. hugged. Someone's each other. got to take that step to start that that, mm-hmm. that conversation though. And you're not necessarily, as you have stated, uh, Johnny, you don't necessarily resolve that conflict. I, I, I really appreciate that you expressing that because we, we often as mediators talk about uh, conflict resolution and, and not every conflict can be resolved and, and be able to just talk it through and, and then decide how, whatever we're going to do about it before we, we separate and we give each other a hug. What do we need from each other mm-hmm. so that we can live um, live peacefully in our heart. Yeah. I, I, I think you're just giving us this model that um, that I wish we learned at school. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are discussing helping children resolve their conflicts, providing a model of effective communication with our visitor, maybe friend. <laughs> That's a new term here. It's, it's, it's a friend. A not maybe. <laughs> I, I, I just threw it out there. I just Not maybe. Know. She's our friend. I want to know, though. She, she has to self-identify. We can't Are you impose our that friend, on her. Rita? You're uh, our friend. I am. I am an old friend. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that old. <laughs> Let's old. talk about that another day. <laughs> so, Rita, in terms of your work and your passion, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. working with families. Mm-hmm. Why is that? You see, um, we were we were just finishing the conversation, saying at school we don't learn how to communicate. Um, and I have done. Um, I'm a divorce mediator, so I know how intense life can be. Life can be inside a home. A child and children who live, in, um, they start dealing with society in their own homes and then eventually at school. So I think if you can resolve compli- conflict in a family, you can resolve them, them in any kind of uh, work setting or community setting. 
So um, really, I uh, families is is fun. It's fun to work with. It's it's meaningful, and uh, if when you able to to help a family um, get closer together, it it really brings the people outside the family in a better place in the world. So, what do you feel that you bring into your practice as a family mediator or a mediator who deals with with families? Okay, so as a divorce mediator, I help them separate. Yet um, there are conflicts, as Johnny was was saying, because just living under the same roof is complicated. We have a lot of uh, reconstructed families that that bring different uh, individuals and that have to learn how to how to live together. Um, when uh, children, as parents, we don't know how to deal with our children's conflict. We don't necessarily um, deal with them. Um, when you see two children fighting with each other over a toy, most of us don't know how to how to approach approach that moment in a way that will help the children grow in in um, being able to deal with it naturally so what what happened is that i took the model of a restorative circle where we bring a community together um, the the first concept is that we don't, um, it's not one person that did something wrong and one person that was hurt by, by what the other person did, but we, we, we take something that happened that everyone recognized without making it um, a judgment. And, um, and we, I, I, I had read about bringing those circles into the family. I was very convinced that it worked, but I didn't know if it worked. So I tried it with my grandchildren. And um, it does work. <laughs> it's fascinating. All we have to do is... So uh, the scene is like that. Abigail, who, who is now six, and her brother, Jonah, who is three are playing and everything, life is beautiful, and all of a sudden, Jonah is taking a toy and hitting his sister with it. So that's what I see. Then I hear the, the screams, and um, we have installed that system that now I come in and I say, do you want to have a circle? And then... Most of the time, not always, most of the time they say yes. So I go toward the one who is, who seems the less upset. And I say, um, or the more, the more upset, sorry. And I say, so, um, in this case it was, uh, um, Jonah. Um, I say, do you want are you able to hear what Abigail wants to tell you? And he says yes. So I say, Abigail, what do you want your brother to know? And she says that he hit me with that, that, uh, that car. Jonah, what do you want Abigail to know? And he says, 
I hit her with the car. Is that it, Abigail? Yes, that's it. Okay, Jonna, what do you want uh, uh, Abigail to know? And uh, Jonna says that uh, Abigail, Abigail took my red car. Um, and Abigail, what, do you, what uh, did you hear Jonna say? And, and then technically when we're with adults, we say we, we go on and on and then we say how do we, we want to resolve it? And then we say anyone wants anyone else to, to say anything? No. So how do you want to resolve it? And then most of the time is, I don't know, let's go play. And it's just because we took the time to listen to each other. They took the time to hear each other. And I think it does two things. Uh, one is that each child um, <clears throat> feels heard. heard. Um, the energy, the anger goes down just because someone listened to them. And then, you know, they have something children have something we don't is that they can be in the moment they don't hold grudges and as soon as they feel better they say okay let's play now with that um, with that uh, dog that is uh, that is on the other side of the room that, that, that's it the, it's resolved and it's quite inspiring um, so it's not necessarily that they have to get into the why story per se, per se. Uh, and make a, a concrete plan. You know, you left it. They have ownership of their process in a way to, in terms of their decision making. Yeah. Yeah. So they, if they, they were they, satisfied, it was, you know, inside your head, you might say as the adult, the parent or the grandparent, well, maybe it needs more work. I got to help them out more. If they're okay with it, who are we as third parties? to impose what we would believe to be the right way to do things. That is really the hard lesson that you <laughs> you just frame it in, in a really nice way because um, often when when I see something happening and I go, um, I'm really thinking, I don't know what what uh, what I can do for them. It's 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 serious and 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 sometimes um, you know in 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 Denmark. Um, they they have started to have classes where they they use that approach and children will will say if older children they will say oh the teacher um was upset at me when i pushed this other guy but they didn't say anything with, when that guy pushed me so when when you um, stop to listen to a child what he has to say, and then the the why comes comes out, mm -hmm. and and uh, they're allowed to express it. Then in front of the teacher, now the teacher um, has an appreciation of where they come from and why this kid was angry that day, and and that's what they call a peaceful conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And people get more self-aware of how, as the teacher, their interaction, mm -hmm. their action, mm -hmm. you know, was seen or understood by mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. of the kids mm -hmm. and how it affected that child, too, in terms of their interaction. And, you know, um, I was speaking with a psychiatrist the other day. He was telling me 
how he was telling me how um, empathy is at least 30% of, of what they give to the, the, the patient and, and they don't necessarily a psych, need a psychiatrist. We don't necessarily need a psychiatrist to get the benefits of empathy. Um, so if you able to, to tell someone, I've heard you, I've heard you, your pain, I've, heard, I've felt you, um, you worry, that brings some kind of soothing that allows the person to to move on and to act in a way that they um, can overcome whatever is there ideally. I, I learned early on in my, my journey at Conflict Mediation Services of Downsia uh-huh. that when you can show you care, like as a case manager, mm-hmm. manager with people mm-hmm. and you're doing intakes, on the phone first uh-huh. party and uh-huh. our second party uh-huh. calls. And when the people feel that you care, that helps shift them to connect with you and provides that they'll give you that space to provide them an opportunity. So that's fundamental for me in terms of mm-hmm. what I would believe is being helping people shift from positions to interest in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and, I, you know, from what you're saying, um, this is, Exactly the tool you can take along with you, um, just listening to us today, is next time someone is uh, coming to you, whether angry or sad, and you don't know what to do or say, just give them back what they gave, what they said, um, they they said to you, and and it's gonna, um, they will so appreciate it because it's the best gift you presents and you care is the best gift you can you can give them. You mean you were listening to what I had to say? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it keeps them from uh, um, building up resentment too because exactly. uh, it's a lovely little example that you gave that you gave them each an opportunity to say what they had to say because a lot of times as parents or as caregivers of some sort, teachers, whatever, We'll, I, I, we see it over and over again. We do it over and over again when we say, well, just tell, tell your brother you're sorry and I'm sorry. And it's, it's, it's kind of a meaningless thing. And sometimes it can even, I think, have an effect that we don't want where you're just kind of putting a band-aid on it and saying, I'm sorry, instead of really exploring what happened there, like just, just to the extent that it needs to be explored. Not not being mm-hmm. kind of hit over the head with it, but just um, really hearing what they have to say so that they don't build up resentment. Going to where the conflict <laughs> and not so, avoiding So it. when people yeah. can feel more connected to mm-hmm. their words and their actions, their actions and their words, mm-hmm. it becomes more genuine, sincere, mm-hmm. and then you have a different kind of journey, mm-hmm. more positive, mm-hmm. hopefully. So wh- what type of relationships do uh, kids usually have more challenge with in terms of the family? With their siblings, with their parents. I think every every family is different. Um, some families are really great as at dealing with uh, conflict, and they have a system like Johnny's family. And um, some families scream a lot, and that doesn't mean that they are uh, that they're not loving. It's some 
some sometimes it's just the way they handle so um ch- children i would think learn from their parents to deal with conflict some um some parents will withdraw from conflict and not know how to uh, or become angry and children I guess it's the question nurture versus nature Nature, and Mm -hmm. um, within the same family you often as parents we are surprised that we have two or three or four kids and they each react differently so even though they were in the same environment they um, will evolve differently and uh, um, I've been told that when you have three kids the first one is the leader the second time the third one is the clown and the middle one is the mediator Um so who knows <laughs> there is uh, the where you yeah. are in the package yeah the pattern that mm. seems to be a prognosis for how you might end up in terms of your life and your skills and your experiences. What type of impact, though, does the way that children deal with conflict when they're younger impact how they deal with conflict when they're adults? If they learn, you you know, um, this model that I uh, was describing is based from the language of nonviolent communication. Le- nonviolent communication is a language of life, of empathy, of consciousness. If children were to learn that in school, as as part of the curriculum, um, as they learn math or geography mm-hmm. or French, <laughs> yeah. they, if they were learning that um, language, they would know how to approach each other. They would know that um, um, they can express themselves and they would learn to express their feeling, take care of their own need because it's important to to uh, have empathy for oneself and then put in 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 the same balance their own need and those of uh, their friends if their classrooms had that kind of energy eventually the bad news would be that you Greg and you Johnny and I would not have a job I I don't know about that because, you know, the nature versus nurture type of thing, no matter what we try, will there still be conflict? And will it still be seen as a negative? Because of the variety of people, the diversity of life and people and individuality, unfortunately, I believe truly that conflict will happen, which is not unfortunate. Which is okay. Which we're totally cool with. Yeah. And we actually promote because it agitates for positive change. Exactly. And, you know, systems and life are not always inclusive of each other and respectful. You know, the, a house where there is no conflict is a house where people live a parallel life and don't, and don't meet. So there is no interaction really to create conflict. And there is a worry as well. Good, good, good point. So how would a child know whether a conflict is actually a situation where the issue negatively affects the relationship they have with the other person they are in conflict with? How self-aware are kids, or could they be? You know, um, you you can help them become aware 
of, for instance, body, uh, body, uh, how do you say that, uh, corporal uh, message. Um, you, if, if, for instance, Let's go back to John, uh, to Jonah and, and Abigail. Um, uh, Abigail says something to Jonah and Jonah is crossing his hands and, and having this frown on his, on his face. It's something uh, um, useful for us as adults to point to say, How do you read that? What do you think Jonah is telling you? Because sometimes you say, Jonah, what do you want to tell Abigail? And he'll say, nothing, um, because I'm too mad. No, he, he doesn't say I'm too mad, but we assume he's too mad. And, and we can, uh, I think this is uh, another tool that we can share with the children is to to put the attention. So what do you think he's trying to say or how can you read his arms crossed? And, and then they will know. They're really intuitive. Kids, kids have maybe don't have the verbal ability, but they are, um, they are really intuitive. So I, I think... I think, you know, from last week with Erwin uh, Elman, yes. the provincial advocate, yes. you know, it's about providing that means for children and youth to be acknowledged as human beings on a more equitable plane relative to adults so that they have voice, they have an ability to express. They have different ways of doing that. Of course, as a child matures and gets more sophisticated, they get better, though I'll put qualifiers over mm -hmm. that because many adults have a not always the best way of communicating either. Uh-huh. Totally. That's we, totally. why we, we exist we in some way. Lot, we have a lot to learn as well. Um, and talking about uh, last week's talk, um, children in, in, in care who, who were complaining about, um, the salad dressing. Um, that is exactly as, as a mediator, um, the point we are making is, is to not judge the validity of, of a conflict. Um, if a, if a child is, is, um, is upset about something, he's upset about something and that is what matters. Um, who are we, who are we to judge? What, what is important because we don't know what what is behind and, right. and 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 again unpacking what's that representative of exactly. and that's representative of something else as Irwin you know communicated that yes. that's a symbol of something else this example was brilliant yeah so we as third parties or mediators or professionals need to be self-aware to be curious and to ask questions About the salad dressing, for example. Exactly. Because it has a deeper meaning. There is a story underneath that. There is a story. And, and again, being accepted for that story. You know, it's interesting because I, I, I used to receive um, calls from people who had uh, issues with the, with the insurance. So sometimes I, I would listen to them and, and 
go wherever they needed to go. At the end of the conversation, um, we we were an ombuds service, so eventually we were going to make a decision. And at the end of the conversation, people would say, you know what, it's the first time that someone really hears what I have to say. And even if you make um, a decision that doesn't work in my favor, I know that you will have heard me. And that was such a revelation for me to hear this kind of comments. Yeah, a form of recognition, acknowledgement, how we approach things and how we don't approach things can make the big difference. We need to matter. People need to matter. And, and, and I guess it's being respected and appreciated for who, who we are. And that is, uh, that is so huge. Mm. And you know what? We need to bring it to ourselves as well. And, what do you and mean not by that? What do you mean? Not judge ourselves. We we judge ourselves a lot. Um, oh, this this was stupid. What I just did, or, or how can I how can I um, um, even think anything like that? And oh oh, I I wish I didn't say what I said. Um, it's important to look at ourselves with empathy as well, because. The theory is that whatever we do, it's because one of our needs was crushed and, and, and uh, it was the best we could do at the moment. So um, if we, instead of beating ourselves, we take ourselves with care and with a, a mental hug, uh, we're more likely to approach the world with more Mm-hmm. Empathy also, mm-hmm. yeah. And as mediators, third parties, we need to be mindful of that for ourselves too, for because ourselves. we we are affected by the lived experiences of other people and what they go through. Because mm-hmm. we, as human beings, I think that's number one. We're human beings. We are sensitive, no matter how much of a we project a somewhat more formal wall of some form to uh, not be impenetrated or penetrated by of other people's experiences at the same time many of us do want to have that energy flow so it's like a dual opposites at the same time we're listening to people's lived experiences and their stories how they're affected and their feelings and their thoughts yet we're not taking ownership for their experiences so we can be compassionate empathic with Mm -hmm. people though not take ownership of what they're going through because we won't no, that's their experience. Exactly. We we don't want to lose ourselves in their experience, and they are the only ones who have the answer for themselves. Wha- yeah. wha- for how tomorrow can get better, what needs to happen. Often we we form a judgment, or we think at the beginning of the conversation we know exactly what they need. Oh, <laughs> not another one of these. You, well, you meet, you know, it's yeah. mediators. Many of us meet individually in advance uh-huh. of bringing people together. Uh-huh. So you hear one person mm-hmm. when you do the private pre-mediation meeting or the intake, and then you get, wow, that's really profound. That's really, wow, you must be. And then you sort of shift, and you might say, that other person must be a real. Yes. <laughs> then you get caught up in this thing of starting to, yeah. you know, project and take ownership of what people mm-hmm. have gone through, mm-hmm. and then. You know, we have to learn to separate ourselves from that, yet be empathic with people also to the experiences they go through. You know, it's the 
it's the experience you take you take a book um with uh, the the outside cover and the in the inside if you look it from from outside you have that bright uh, red cover um but then when you open it it's the white pages with uh, with the the black words and um, it's two different worlds depending if you are inside the book or, or, or outside the book but it's still the same book in, uh, in the middle um, and, and as mediators we try to sit at the at the top of the book and um, yeah it's a, a, a neat yeah open position. the book and turn it one page at a time and not go to the end and see what the uh, what the outcome is You know, one one page tells one story in its moment, and then turn the page, and it's another moment. It's another built aspect to the previous page. So we got to learn some patience with our process, too. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, like uh, Dominic Barre, again, says a point of view is really a view from a point. So depending of where you yeah. are, you will see something different. Absolutely. And, uh, and as individuals, we see each thing from our own lens of our lived experience, too. You know, kids are, children are affected and look up to those with from whom they are mentored and they get their responsibilities of life on how to navigate life, their parents or mm -hmm. someone significant mm -hmm. in their life. So... They're impacted whether, you know, if adults have a certain nature of a communication mm -hmm. amongst the two of them, mm -hmm. that's going to affect the style of communication a child's going to have. Yeah. What's yeah. needed for a child to have an effective communication? Not just communication, because we communicate all the time. When we talk about effective, I, I think we're trying to say that, hey, there's another level of engagement. It's more productive. It's more healthy. A healthy, um, you, you can help children remember when we were talking about recognizing um, body language uh, helping children first of all recognize their own feelings if you help them go into their body and 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 help them discover what happens in their body when they are angry or when they are happy um it it's very physical so being able to recognize that recognize helping them um recognize a smile and a frown and and uh, angry eyes um help them be in tune with themselves and with the others um, helping them also discover I think one very important tool and it's it's not only for children it's for us as well to realize that when we want something it's um, it's only one strategy for the image we have of, of what what it is we want that blue car or the um, um, going to the specific park it is one one image that um, meets the need for fun let's say and if we help them discover that you can have fun um, in that park but in, in another park or in the swimming pool or at the theater you can have the same the same fun um, it, they will become more flexible and um, and that's the tool 
that we use as mediators, don't we? <laughs> we try. Yeah, we try. So in terms of children, yeah. which is the focus tonight, trying to give yeah. some yeah. means to have a more effective communication mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. I mean, kids can have skills, just like adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, how will they actually, and they may know they have some skills, how, how will they actually realize that they have them and at the same time they actually utilize them? Because if you just have skills and you don't make use of them, I think it's a waste. Yeah, um, I think you know that that uh, program into schools where you teach children to do peer mediation. Mm-hmm. So we, and, and for some reason, they learn that skill in an easier way, with more ease than than we as adults do. So it's very easy to to teach them when. Uh, children in their own class are fighting and they know how to they really fast learn how to sit down with them and help them have that conversation uh, at a deeper level than than Jonah and, and Abigail had once they in, in some great schools um, and and uh, because they see that they make a difference they are peacemakers and proud of it and they are proud of, of themselves. They feel good. They learn. Um, they know that effective communication works and, um, and they inspire the rest of the world. <laughs> we, see, we seem to think as adults that we know it all. And so we tend to try to project that or impose that on the kids. Uh-huh. And, you know, they're supposed to learn from us. I believe that the kids have a lot to teach us as adults Absolutely. exactly from what you're talking about. Yeah. We complicate things more yes. with life yes. as adults. Yes. Kids have a, I'm not going to say simple, they have a, a clear definition in some way. It's not clouded with a lot of all this, this other stuff. So it, it could benefit where we could learn much more from kids to acknowledge what they're doing and what they're not doing and how they're doing it and how they're not doing it mm-hmm. in terms of us as Mm-hmm. Adults and third-party practitioners. Mm-hmm. They they don't have all that stuff in their head. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we put too much layers on life, and we make it we too complicated do. in some manner. They, and, and that's what I was saying at the beginning. The kids are in the moment. We are not. We are making stories. And, um, and yeah. we're judgmental. We are judgmental. We're judgmental. We need to unlearn a lot of things. Or relearn it. Or relearn, yeah, and that, and watching children, and um, and children that don't hold grudges, you know, uh, they they will, uh, it's resolved, it's resolved, we, it's not going to come back. We are usually will bring it back on the to the table. <laughs> I don't know. I think it depends on the age of the children that too. too. Uh, I'm thinking of like sixth sixth grade girls. Um, are, can well. get into some pretty heavy psychological, uh, torture with each other. Oh, they can be mean. Yeah. That's for, for sure. For yeah. sure. Because they are also honest and they will, they don't put those. They have less filters. Mm-hmm. They, we yeah, put filters they, on they or we inject that judgment thing and whatever that means and, for and many of us. social kind of... Um, Condi- we're conditioned to, yeah, to be go, polite and to be nice, but there's like a hidden knife in there. Let's go back to empathy. 
there are some programs in in schools where they bring a, a, a baby into into the classroom so that children learn how to have empathy for someone that is younger than than themselves and um, so what can you suggest as we close out for uh, children and parents for ch- of children to learn and practice an effective communication model you know what if you speak with your children or you, your child um, take a big breath sometimes just taking a big breath if you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do take a big breath and ask them what is it that you need at this moment what is it that you want um, and just being asked um, it shows respect and care and g- empowers them that is so important for them to, to ever say um, or to feel they have that say pardon me? or to feel they have that say that they have the ownership of the ability to make their own contributions to the decisions. To the decisions, and then we can put on the table as well. I have those constraints. Let's let's work together. Let's work together. <laughs> All right, so we have to work together to say thank you for tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. Another good conversation. Thank you very much for your contribution, and Alfie too there. And you'll return oh, to another visit again. You're listening to Mediation Station on CHHA, 1610 AM, Voces Latinas.